So, I'm going to show you a couple of slides of villains versus heroes, bad versus good, and I want you to notice some patterns, okay? So, just observe the two, the two uh, sides, okay? Let's go to the next slide. Again, Star Wars, Darth Vader versus Luke Skywalker, the hero, right? Keep looking for patterns. Next. Also Star Wars, uh, we've got the Stormtrooper, he's bad, and then the Rebels, which are good. Uh, next. And then uh, from um, Avengers, right, so Thanos, we've got the bad, and we've got the good. Uh, I think that's the last one, right? Um, there's no more after this. So, guys, uh, and did any of you notice any patterns? Yeah, in the red Exactly. The villains have their face, faces closed. They're hiding themselves. What else? How about, how about Thanos? Let's go to the last one. He's not hiding his face, but what's different? He's scary. He's mad. What else? Notice. Notice this, guys. Notice he doesn't... He doesn't really look human, does he? He looks like a weird human. Like, look at his chin. Does anybody have a chin like that, right? No, we don't, right? And, and look at the color of his skin. When's the last time you've seen a purple, you know, person? Never. So let's go back up, and I'll explain this. What, what directors, film directors, what they do, when they show villains, they try to dehumanize them or unhumanize to make them look less human. Notice, there's no eyes. There's you know, I mean, there's eyes and there's but there's no human face, right, to mask. Whereas here, you see their eyes. You know, they're happy. Whoa, uh, they're happy, right? Um, next one. Same thing. No human face. We've got a human face. We can automatically empathize and sympathize with them. Next one. Same thing, no face, right, just cold, right? But here you see, you see a person, right? That could be your brother, right, or your friend, or whatever. Next slide. And then even when we do see their face, they don't look human, right? Whereas Tony Stark looks perfectly human, right? So, yeah, question. Well, but you know what he looks like, right? Uh, you know, you remember what he looks like. So that's if we're good on that. Um, if we could just turn on all the lights. But why directors do this is because if they want you to connect with the heroes and disconnect from the bad guys, right? And even if you watch like. World War II films, where there's like Nazis, right? And where it's both of them are human. You think, well, that doesn't work there. It does. If you actually pay attention, you'll notice that they'll show close-up shots of the hero's face. They'll see them happy, struggling, all these different things. Whereas the Nazis, you know, if it's a World War II film, it'll be like shots from far away, right? You just see their helmets. You just see them yelling maybe every now and then. But you never get any like close shots unless it's like a really bad emotion, right? 
Now imagine if a director was to reverse that. If the villains got all the close face shots, and you can see them struggling, you can see them crying, you can see them happy, and then the heroes would just wear a mask. What would happen? You would be confused, right? You're like, I think those guys are actually the good guys, and I think the heroes are actually the bad guys, right? Because I can understand these, I can connect to these guys. So, now that you've seen this, you'll never be able to unsee it uh, whenever you're watching movies and films. So you're welcome. Uh, but the point of today's message, yesterday we talked about Jesus, he can't be human, right? He is God, God the Almighty. Today's message is that Jesus is absolutely 100% human. And that's what we're going to, I'm going to try to paint a portrait of the human Jesus to understand who he really is. Because when we understand that someone is human, we connect with them, right? So let's, let's stand right now. Let's pray before we jump, jump into the message. Lord, again, we pray for your power. We pray that you would be the one who would speak. That your word, which is living and active, God, that it would reveal you to us, God, that we would catch a glimpse of who you are and your beauty and your humanity and your love for us. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. You may be seated. So, if you actually study the history of Christianity, what you guys will notice is here's true Christianity, faithful, let's say faithful Christianity going down the middle. And then there were false teachers. And some false teachers said, Jesus was only God. He was not human. And those were false teachers, and the church condemned them. Then there was other people, and there still are people, that say, Jesus isn't God. He's just a person. He's a 100% person. And maybe he's even a special. Maybe he's even an angel. But he's not God. Guys, we believe from reading the Bible, that Jesus is 100% God, and He is 100% man. How all of that fits together in one person, I don't know. But if there's anyone who can figure out a way to do it, it would be God. Amen? Amen. So, Jesus is 100% man, 100% God, 100% man. We looked at the God part yesterday. Today, we're going to look at the 100% man. So, a couple of evidences of that he was human. Jesus calls himself a man. Okay, so we've got to take him at his word. John 8, verse 39. Jesus said to them, if you, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth which I heard from God. He makes it clear. I'm a man. I'm a human being. I'm not, you know... Uh, an illusion. I'm not God in a pod. I'm literally man. We see that Jesus also grew and developed. Like he was born as a baby and he grew. Uh, Luke 2.5 And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature. That means like height. And in favor with God and men. 
as you realize that Jesus didn't just like pop up, you know, magically appear in a forest one day and then came out of the forest and says, here I am, I'm here to save you guys. No, Jesus had a background story just like all of us. We all came from somewhere, right? You were all born somewhere specifically, right? In some specific place. And you grew up with specific parents in a specific neighborhood. And it's the same exact thing that Jesus. Jesus also took that exact journey just like every human being. We see that Jesus was even, get this, he was obedient to his earthly parents. Just Think about how crazy that is. Luke 2, 5. And he went down with them, that's his parents, and came to Nazareth, that's where he lived, and was submissive to them. Jesus was submissive to the parents that he had created. He's like, I made you. I formed you. And before you were, I existed Billions of years before you, but I will still submit myself to you. How wild. We see that Jesus, well, let me read this for you, and I'll tell you what I, what I see. Mark chapter 4, verse 38. This is when they're in the storm. Jesus is sleeping, right? It says, but he was in the stern, that's the bottom of the boat, Asleep on a cushion, and they woke him up and they said, Teacher, do you are you not do you not care that we're perishing? Notice what was Jesus doing? Sleeping. Sleeping. What else? What's specifically what? What what was he doing while he was sleeping? He was sleeping on what? A cushion. Guys, who here loves their pillow? You know what? Jesus loved his pillow too. Seriously, you know, sometimes we think like Jesus is like this like macho man or like maybe this like really spiritual monk that just like lives in the forest and like doesn't eat or anything like that. And he's just, you know, just and, you know, he just sleeps on like on the hard floor. It's like, oh, this is the most spiritual way to do it. No, that's not the way Jesus lived. Jesus was just like you and me. He had the same exact back and he's like. Ow, that hurts. That's not comfortable. I want a cushion. I want a pillow. Guys, do you see that like his humanity just unfold here? Literally, he like it wasn't a like a chance either. He was like, oh man, I'm really sleepy. I don't want to sleep on that hard wood. Anybody have a cushion? Oh, perfect. Grabs a cushion for himself, lays down, and goes to sleep. As the God of the universe. Liked comfort when he lived in the flesh. That must tell you that he lived just like us. Just like us. He didn't want to have a stiff neck in the morning. Or a back that hurt. We see that Jesus was also experienced hunger. Again, Mark eleven, twelve. On the following day when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. Think back to the last time you were hungry. Like... I really just, I need to find a snack. Or better said, hangry, right? You're like, oh, everyone get out of my way. I need some food. Don't talk to me. Jesus experienced hunger, just like us. He's like walking, he's like, 
I need food right now. I am hungry. He felt it the same exact way like we did. And I bet he felt it even more. Because they didn't have like snacks everywhere and food all the time. Like food was hard, right? <laughs> you, you had to work really hard to get some food. We see that Jesus was thirsty. He asked the woman at the well for some water after a long trip of walking. Or John 19, 28, on the cross, when he's laying on the cross, he said, I thirst. Guys, you ever have that where you went on a long hike and you're just sweating and you just, you're like, I would just, I would pay anything for a water bottle right now. I remember I was, I was doing some sports a couple of weeks ago and I was just sweating and I get out, finally had a break and I just took a water bottle and I'm like, just drank the whole thing right away. Jesus experienced thirst. Hunger, thirst. He liked comfort. He grew up just like all of us. He was obedient. We see that Jesus was saddened by the pain in this world. John eleven thirty five. 35. It says, Jesus wept. This is right before he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. You guys remember that part? Jesus came to the tomb of Lazarus and it says that he looked around and he's seen Mary and Martha crying. He's seen the Jews crying. He didn't weep because Lazarus died. He knew he would raise him from the dead in just a couple of minutes. He wept because he's seen all the pain on the people's faces. He, he looked at the people that were crying because of their, the death of their friend. And he realized, like, this is the pain. This is the world that people live in. Yes, I will heal Lazarus, right? I will raise Lazarus from the dead right now. But this pain, this pain of death and separation, it's been happening and it's going to keep happening. And so as he saw our pain, it hurt him. And so he wept. Luke 19, 41, Jesus was walking to Jerusalem and finally he gets to Jerusalem and he sees it over a hill and he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And then he says in Luke 19, 41, And when he drew near and saw the city, that's Jerusalem, he wept over it. Literally, a grown man, a 33-year-old man, just stood there and cried over the city. Guys, God in human flesh cried over the city. You know why? Because he said... You rejected all your prophets. You rejected everyone that God sent you and you rejected God's son. The Romans will come and they will destroy her. He knew and he's seen all the pain and the destruction that their sin was bringing upon themselves. And he was broken. And he cried over that. As Jesus is empathetic, Jesus loves us. Jesus cried with people. Jesus felt pity for other people. We see this Matthew 20, verse 34. And Jesus in pity, this is the blind people, in pity. Like he's seen this blind person. This person has been blind his entire life. And he's like, and I just, I feel sorry for you. And he touched their eyes and immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. We see that Jesus even got tired you ever, are, do you ever get so tired, you're just like, I'm exhausted. Just get me to the pillow, my pillow, and I'm going to like, just pass out. Just knock right out. Jesus experienced that same type of exhaustion. 
Mark 6, 31. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest for a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. Or John 4, 6. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. Just imagine, you're walking all day in the hot sun. You're walking, walking. You're just, you get exhausted. And he finally comes to that well in Samaria. And he's just so tired, he finally finds a place to sit. And he just, he just sits there. Because he's weary. Guys, Jesus experienced weariness, exhaustion. These are all human things. These are all things that we experience all the time, right? Don't we? Or you guys, you guys are, you guys don't get tired, no? Who here gets tired? The rest of you are too tired to raise your hand, right? We see that Jesus was astonished. He was surprised. Matthew 8:10. This is the, the, the Roman centurion that came and showed his faith and says, Lord, just I'm a man of authority as well. And he had great faith and says, Jesus was astonished. He was surprised. He's like, wow. Like, this man is not an Israelite and he has so much faith. And I haven't even seen that much faith in anyone in Israel. How is that possible? He was surprised. We see that Jesus rejoiced. He was happy. Luke 10, 21. In the same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. He rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. He was happy. And he said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. We see that Jesus felt anger and grief. Anger and grief. Mark 8, 6, and he directed the crowd to sit down. Oh, sorry, Mark 3, 5, and he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. This is the people that wouldn't believe in him. Jesus was thankful, Mark 8, 6, and he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples. Has you ever have that where you just, you just experience that genuine thankfulness to God? Like, God, thank you for my friend, or thank you for this delicious snack, or this food, whatever it is, for this moment, for my family, my mom, my dad. Lord, thank you. It's this heart of gratitude, and Jesus experienced that same exact heart. We see that Jesus loved people, just human to human. John eleven five. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. In fact, we see that Jesus, when he was here in the flesh, he had friends. He had friends. John fifteen four. He tells his disciples, "You are my friends." He wasn't just saying that, guys. Like, God, Jesus wasn't just being nice to them, like, oh, I don't want you to feel weird or anything like that, so I'll just tell you that you're my friends, kind of, you're my friends, but you can't really be my friends because I'm 100% God, so how can you actually be my friend? No. Jesus actually had friends. 
Like, isn't that, isn't, aren't friends just such a human thing? I don't know if animals have friends. Maybe they've got some sort of connection, but not like people, right? And we see that Jesus actually wanted companionship and fellowship. Jesus wanted that, guys. Luke 20, 22, verse 15, and he said to them, I have earnestly, so that's genuinely, desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Jesus knew he was about to go suffer. And, he, and before he was going to suffer, he's like, guys, I, I just want to be with you for a little bit. Before I go on the cross, before I go and experience all this, this horrible wrath of God, I just, I really, I really just wanted to spend some time with him. I want to be with you guys. In fact, we see that he wanted his friends to support him. Matthew 26, 38. And he said to them, that's his disciples, My soul is very sorrowful. Like, guys, I'm, I'm going through a really, really hard time right now. He wasn't just saying this. He actually was experiencing deep sorrow in anticipation of what was about to happen to him. He says, even to death, like this, I feel so bad right now that I could die. Remain here and watch with me. Remain here and watch with me. He says, guys, you ever have that, guys, where you feel so bad, you just want someone to just help you. You just Maybe just have someone sit next to you. Just support you. Just tell you that everything's going to be okay. Right? We all have that. Jesus felt that as well. He felt sorrowful to death. And he wanted his friends to support him. We see he was troubled and sorrowful. Again, same, similar passage, Matthew 26, 37. And taking with him Peter and John and James. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. He was really worried, or sorrowful, you should say, about what was about to happen to him. He knew exactly what was going to happen. We see that he experienced pain and stress. Literally. Luke 22, verse 44. And being in agony. Guys, do you guys know what agony means? Who here knows what agony means? Nobody? Agony means extreme pain. Like, really bad, like agonizing, like you're just, you're rolling on the ground just in deep pain. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. Medically, the only way that you could have, you could be sweating blood is when you're experiencing insane levels of stress. It's very rare, but it happens. I mean, think about how stressed you need to be. Just how much, like, anticipating what you need to be anticipating, the torture you need to be anticipating, to be so stressed that you're literally sweating blood. This wasn't just something God does when he's stressed. This is something human beings with human bodies do when they experience real Intense stress. And Jesus experienced that. We also see that he had his own will. And his father had his own will. 
And he and Jesus denied his own will. Guys, and this actually is crazy. Let me read it for you. I'll explain why it's crazy. Luke 22, verse 42. Jesus praying to the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he's about to be taken away and crucified. He says, Father, if it is your will, let this cup pass from me. He's saying, I don't want it. I don't want this cup. I don't want to suffer. I don't want to go through this. Jesus didn't want to suffer. You guys realize that? Jesus did not want to suffer, just like me and you didn't. Jesus wasn't just some robot like, okay, I will do the Father's will. I will go and be crucified. He was not that. He was a human, just like us. He didn't want to be hurt, just like us. He says, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. It means get rid of this suffering. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus denied his own human will for our sake. As, and this is wild. Think of this, this is earth shattering. Because who here has times when you know something is right, but you don't want to do it? Let's be honest, guys, raise your hands. Do you have moments when you want to do something for you? You know the right thing to do, but you don't want to do it. Or you know you shouldn't do something, but you want to do it. Jesus had that too. Jesus knew the right thing was to go on the cross. Jesus knew that. But He didn't want it. He didn't want to suffer. And so think about how crazy this, what this means for us. That if the Son of God Himself, 100% God, 100% man, when He was here on earth, He denied His own will. How much more should we, sinful human beings, how much more should we submit our wills to God, knowing that our wills are wrong and corrupt? Guys, if Jesus did that, then who are we? Right? You think, Jesus, you're God. Why would you ever deny yourself? Why would you ever do anything you don't feel like doing? Because Jesus had a greater picture in mind. And it's the same thing when it comes to us. When we need to submit our own will. When we need to lay down our will and not do something we want to do. Think of Jesus. Even Jesus denied his own human will. And lastly, Jesus felt like the Father left him. Matthew 27, 46. When he was on the, on the cross, right before he was about to die, it says, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If you ever feel like God has left you, or God can't hear you. God's not there. Jesus experienced that. But the good news is God never forsakes us. God never leaves us. Even though we might feel that way. Because God had forsaken the Son. On our behalf. 
God turned his face away from Jesus, actually turned his face away, so that he would not have to turn his face away from us because of our sin. So whenever you feel like God has forsaken you, just remember Christ and what He has done for you. And that because of Christ and His righteous suffering for you, God never forsakes us. He never leaves us. That's a promise. Now, the question is, why, why is it important that Jesus was a human? Why is it important? There's a lot of reasons. First of all, it fulfills the prophecies found in the Word of God. 1 Samuel 7, 12. This is God speaking to David. He says, when your days are fulfilled, that means when you die and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring or your son, someone who comes from you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. The Messiah, Jesus Christ, the Savior. It couldn't just be an angel. It couldn't just be God in God form. It had to be someone who was born of the flesh to fulfill the promises of God. It's also important because the fact that he was 100% God means that his sufferings were real. Who here has played VR before? Okay. It, it's fun, right? Make sure to stretch before you play, because I've pulled, uh, I've pulled my muscles before, right? Guys, Jesus coming in the flesh was not God playing VR. It wasn't like God in heaven's like, oh, okay, well, let me come down there and save him. Pops on the VR set, takes the little controllers, and goes and lives this life real quick, experiences this thing on the cross, I save everyone, okay, I'm done, I'm back in heaven. Mission complete. That, that was not VR. It was as real as this feels to you right now. It was just as real. Because if Jesus was not 100% man, then his sufferings were not real. Then he didn't actually experience any of that. And you could argue that then, then that work doesn't actually apply. That we cannot be atoned for. Our sins cannot be paid if His suffering wasn't real for us. But guys, He experienced it all. Everything. From the mocking, the shame, and the nails, the thorns. He felt it all. Even the moments leading up to it. He experienced it all. It was also the only way for him to fulfill the law. The law that we could not fulfill. God's perfect, righteous law. That we were condemned under as sinners. That we could never fulfill. It was the only way. Galatians 4.4 4, But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. That's us that we might receive full rights as sons. We were trapped under the law. We were like this submarine that's sinking down to the bottom of the ocean. The only way you can save them is by getting inside and getting them out. And that's what Jesus did. Only a man, only a human being could be born under the law. The law doesn't apply to animals. 
The law doesn't apply to angels. The law applies only to us, those made in the image of God. And so Jesus had to be born in our midst to redeem those from under the law. You see, we are all guilty of breaking the law, right? And only a perfect human, Jesus Christ, who could keep the law perfectly, he kept it all the way to the team. He perfectly fulfilled it. And then he sacrificed himself, redeeming us from that guilt. <laughs> let's, say, let's say your friend gets a speeding ticket. Right? And he gets a bill from the court and it's 500 bucks. You can't, like, be like, hey, I'm going to help my friend. I'm going to pay for his speeding ticket. I'm going to send in some of my old books, my textbooks, my old toys, my old PlayStation, whatever old you have, like three or four, whatever the old version you have, right? You can't put it in a box, ship it to the judge, and he'll say, oh, great, yeah, adds up, that's, you know, that's enough value. No. The only thing that the court accepts are U.S. dollars. That's it. And it's the same thing with God. The only type of righteousness that God accepts is human righteousness. Human perfection. That is the court of God. That's what God expects from all of us. Yet all of us have failed. All of us are broke. Nobody has that $500. All we have is these old broken little toys and we can never pay that ticket. So that means we're going to get sent to jail. But our friend comes along and he gives up all the money he has, those $500, and pays for it. And the judge says, paid in full. Paid in full. Your debt is clear. You can walk away. And that's what Jesus has done to us. But the only way he can do that is by becoming a human being. We also see that it was the only way to destroy the one who has the power of death. Hebrews 2.14 says, Since therefore the children, that's us, share in flesh and blessing. So since therefore the children are humans, he himself, that's Jesus, also took part in the same things. Meaning he also became a human he took on flesh and blood. Why? That through death, so through his death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. Let me explain what that means. Jesus has the power of death. Sorry, Satan, before Jesus, had the power of death. He holds it. And he uses it against all of us, just consuming everyone with the power of death. And no one can stop him. No king, no wise man, nobody. All, everybody died. Everybody fell victim to the power of death that the devil had. But it says that Jesus took human form and Jesus died in human form so that he could destroy the one who has the power of death that is the devil. Why is that possible? Like, you're like, why, how does it, why does it work that way? Well, 
What is, the Bible says, the wages of sin is what? Death, right? The wages of sin is death. What's a wage? A payment. It's something you earn, right? And in this case, wages are not good. You don't go like, oh, yeah, I got paid death, right? No, it's bad. He's saying the payment, the consequence of sin is death. So get this. We all sin, and we all deserve death, right? We're going to get that paycheck one day, and we're going to, and that paycheck is called the day of your death because of our sin. We deserved it. Fair deal. Jesus also got that paycheck. Jesus also received the wages of death. But what's the difference between us and Jesus? He what? He never sinned. So he received something he didn't deserve. And because he died a righteous death, he wasn't supposed to die, but he still died. And because he was sinless, he took away the power of death from the devil. It's like making the devil divide by zero. You know? It's like, okay, Satan, try dividing by zero. I got zero sin. The devil's like, okay, punches it into the calculator. Error. Done. Over. And Satan lost all his power when he gave death to the one who had never, ever sinned. It's amazing how Jesus outsmarted Satan. When Jesus was dying, he told Satan, Gotcha. Gotcha. And Satan lost all his power. He used to hold the power of death over all people. But Jesus took it all away from him. But the only way it was possible was to become a human being and to live a perfect life. That was the key. And still die. Guys, how, how glorious is that? The victory of God, the wisdom of God, using the devil's own weapon against him. Jesus becoming human is also important because it shows us the depth of the sacrifice of God. Philippians 2.6. I'm almost done, I promise. Philippians 2.6. Jesus Christ, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, so he didn't hold on to it. He's like, hey, but I'm God. I should stay God in the form of God all the time. It's okay. I can let him go. But emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. The Greek word is slave. Being born in the likeness of men. So he became like us. And being found in human form. He didn't just become a human, come here and become a king. He's like, guys, I already lowered myself plenty. This is already uncomfortable for me. I don't like this body. But I'm going to be king here with you, so you best make it as comfortable as possible for me while I'm here. He could have demanded that, and he still would have been right. He didn't take the upper echelons of human society. It says that he didn't just come down and become a human. He took the form of a servant. Being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the Father to the point of death. Even lower, he stooped all the way down. 
even death to a cross. Like, that's the ultimate form of humility. Like, imagine your parents told you, hey, um, wash the kitchen floors. You're like, I want to, okay, but I'll do it to be humble before God. You wash the floors. And then they're like, hey, go wash the bathroom. Oh, it just stinks really bad in there. I'll humble myself. I'll be obedient. And then your little brother or sister poop all over the floor. They're like, hey, go wash the poop. And you're like, okay, I'll humble myself. I'll be obedient. And imagine they say, hey, go save your brother and sister. But you will die doing it. Would you do it? Would you humble yourself that low? That's what Jesus did. The Father told him, I want you to go to the cross. I want you to die. Lay your life all the way down. I know what I would say. I'll clean the poop, Dad. I'll clean the poop, Mom. But I'm not giving up my life. I'm not humbling myself that low. But Jesus went all the way from being found in the form of God into humanity, taking the form of a slave, and he was obedient and humbled himself all the way down to death, even death on a cross. As you know, when people were crucified, do you know that they were naked? Do you know that Jesus died naked on the cross? They would crucify them naked to humiliate them so that it would be a lesson for everyone else not to commit the same crimes. And Jesus was humiliated. He died naked on the cross for us, humbling himself. You think it wasn't embarrassing? It was embarrassing. That's why Paul says, even death on a cross. Guys, I think about this. The fact that God took human form, that Jesus was human form, that means Jesus was a baby. One day he was a baby, and, we, and you think like, oh, that's so cute. But you realize, what do babies do a couple of times a day? They poop themselves. You guys realize that God became a baby who pooped himself and needed his diaper to be changed by his mom. Like, we don't think about that, do we? That sounds wrong. Like, is that blasphemy? To say that Jesus pooped himself? As a baby and needed his diapers changed? It's uncomfortable. But that's true. It's true. God on the throne, in the, human, in the form of God, stooped down so low to become a baby who needed his diapers changed. And then died naked on the cross. Think about how much he was humiliated. That would be like you going to wearing a diaper today. But, but even worse, right? It wasn't just a human. He was God himself. Guys, the reason it's important that Jesus was human is to show us how deeply he sacrificed for us. He didn't do it for fun. He did it for us to complete the plan of God. 
Jesus became a human to also leave an example for us, right? If God came and he was just kind of floating around as an angel and doing all these great things, we're like, okay, that's God. But I can't be that because I'm not an angel. I've got, I don't have little wings. I don't glow in the dark. 1 Corinthians 11, 1, Paul says, Be imitators of me, me, as I am of Christ. So the fact that he was human means we can imitate him and we should imitate him because he went through the same things. 1 Peter 2, 21, For to this you have been called that because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Again, it wasn't just some high and mighty angel. But, but God had become a human so we could actually follow his example. He did it to reconnect us to God. There's, you know, before Jesus became a human, there's a gap. God, man. And there's this gap. And we can't understand God. We don't, you know, we can't see him. We can't understand who he is. But God closes the gap and enters into our world and becomes a man. And lastly, Last passage. He did it so that we can have someone who sympathizes with us and understands us. Hebrews 4.15 For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, weaknesses that's talking about Jesus but the one who in every respect has been tempted as we are Yet without sin. And do you realize what this means? Do you realize what this means? Think about this. Jesus was tempted in every way. Yet without sin. Think about your temptations that you experience. Jesus experienced something similar. Just like it when he was here in the flesh. Tempted in every way, with all kinds of desires, yet without sin. He never sinned, and yet he understands us. It says, the whole point of telling us that, the author of Hebrews says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. And by weaknesses, he's talking about the weakness of being tempted. In other words, he's saying, we have someone who understands how it feels to be tempted. So when you are experiencing temptation, guys, think about Jesus. Because Jesus experienced something just like it. And yet he didn't sin. He fought the temptation. He asked God to help him with the temptation. He used the word of God to fight the attacks of Satan, as we see in the wilderness. Three times he keeps quoting scripture back at Satan. Jesus knows what it's like to be tempted. He loves us. He's been here. He's done this. He's walked more than a mile in our shoes, guys. Trust him. He's not someone who's far away. He's someone who's close. Someone who loves us. Someone who is near Someone who has gone through it. Someone who truly, truly understands. 
He understands you and feels your pain more than you could ever imagine. He understands you and feels your pain more than any other human being can ever sympathize and empathize with you. Because not only has he gone through what you have gone through, he has gone through even worse. For our sake. To free us from the power of death. Will you trust him with your life? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for stooping down to our level. Lord, we worship you. You didn't have to, you did not have to give up the form of God. But you chose to because you love us. And Lord, I thank you that we now have an example. I thank you that we now have someone who understands us through and through. Oh Lord, help us trust you. Help us feel how much you really understand us. How much you empathize with us. How much you love us. Lord, I understand that's only possible by the Spirit, so I pray for that right now. In Jesus' name, amen.